everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. 1980 was the time, the 4th of July weekend specifically, some friends of mine and I, my brother was one of these guys, traveled down to beautiful Galveston, Texas to do some shark fishing. Now, not from a boat, from the beach, which is kind of crazy, kind of illegal, but we did it anyway. So we arrived in Galveston. We had my Cherokee chief. We had it packed with bloody fish, two bucket loads of bloody fish. Fishermen call bloody fish chum, and chum attracts shark. So we took a little boat, rode out just past the surf line, I hate to confess this, but I will, and dumped all of the bloody fish in the water. Now at that time, no one was in swimming, so it was great. We were there early for the July weekend. It was pretty calm, pretty casual. There was, though, a lot of bloody fish in the water. We sat there on this pier with four of my Mexican friends who couldn't speak a lick of English, and we waited. Finally, my friends and my brother, they were like, Ed, this is wearing us out. We're starving, we're going to Sonic to get some food. So I ordered from Sonic, I said, you guys, you know, just cruise, I'll be here waiting with my friends, and hopefully we'll get a shark. Well, the sun was, was really coming up now. It was, it was getting pretty hot, and the waters were teeming not only with fish, but also with swimmers. So I lather up with Hawaiian Tropic. I'm like an eel. I'm just shining with Hawaiian Tropic, working on my savage tan. That was before the skin cancer scare. You know, people used to do that. Baby oil, all sorts of stuff to attract the sun. So I'm out there and trying to catch some rays and waiting for the shark, waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the shark, suddenly, out of nowhere, that whine that every fisherman loves, the reel begins to scream, and sure enough, I'm tethered to this bull shark. Oh my gosh! I'm on a little rock pier, on the beach, next to the flagship hotel, 4th of July weekend. Now there's squillions of people in the water walking down the seawall and I'm battling this shark. I'm having a hard time battling the shark because I'm so slippery. The reel is slipping from the Hawaiian Tropic. I'm thinking, where's my brother? Where are my friends? They finally show up in the middle of the battle. And so we all helped reel in this bull shark. There was a dorsal fin. There was the tail, kind of blood trickling out of the shark's mouth. You see his teeth. It was, it was, just, it was unbelievable. So I'm thinking to myself, wow, if a shark is hooked, that means the people around us could be in trouble because if a shark is injured, a shark will latch onto anything, especially a bull shark. So I said, hey, hey, tell everybody to get out of the water. Tell everybody to get out of the water. Well, my friends knew zero Spanish. My brother knew a little bit of Spanish, and here's what Ben did. El Charco, El Charco. Well, one of them saw that, 
and it was like a scene from the movie Jaws. People were just leaving the ocean, leaving their babies out in the ocean. People were in total and complete pandemonium. We finally got the shark on the beach. Hundreds and hundreds of people were stopping, traffic was stopping to watch us battle this shark. I all of a sudden thought, wow, we could get arrested. <laughs> so we quickly tied a rope around the shark's tail and we drugged the shark. I would not do this now, I wouldn't kill a shark, but back in the day, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. So we pulled the shark up over the seawall. It took 10 guys and we threw the shark in the back of my Cherokee chief. His tail was hanging out of the back. <gasps> And so here we are driving down 45 back to Houston. People were like, ah, ah, ah. And when we got home, I hung the bull shark over our basketball goal and we got some pictures. Well, after a while, the shark began to smell. And dad said, son, you got to get rid of the shark. So I thought, how do you get rid of a nice sized bull shark? The shark weighed well over 100 pounds. I wasn't gonna ride back to Galveston. So I thought, I'll just find a lake or maybe like a little, a little stream or, or somewhere. I'll just dump the shark somewhere. So I drove around in the neighborhoods where family lived, found a little, a little creek, and I just, I felt like I was getting rid of a body. I just <laughs> rolled the shark down into the creek. And that was the last I saw of the shark. I have thought though, can you imagine little kids playing in the creek? Oh my gosh! The smell, ooh. That is a fish story, my favorite fish story. And once that happened, I was hooked literally on shark fishing. It's funny, you talk to anyone who's ever fished, anybody, anybody, they have a fishing story. Today, I wanna to talk to you about the ultimate fishing story. I would argue that your life, my life is a fishing trip. Your life, my life is a fishing trip. And because it's a fishing trip, we should have fishing stories. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter five, and we're gonna look at verses one through 11. Jesus was preaching to a bunch of people on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee was 13 miles long, eight miles wide, 30 towns were on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is talking to people so many people are there. So many people are pressing in. He thinks to himself, well, I need to improvise. So Jesus improvises. Jesus does something very, very interesting. Let's read together Luke chapter five, verse one. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He, let's say it together, one, two, three, noticed. He just noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Washing their nets. They had bageled. 
They had been skunked. They had fished all night and hadn't caught Jack. How many times have you fished? How many times have I fished and I haven't caught a thing? I've donated blood to mosquitoes. I've gotten sunburned. I've gotten seasick, but I haven't caught the fish. These guys were upset. They were mad, hadn't caught a fish. They were mending their nets. As you study ancient fishermen, they spent the lion's share of their time mending these nets, fixing these nets. These nets were large. They had weights around the edges. You would throw the nets over fish. The weights would sink around the fish. They would pull the rope and you would catch the fish. When they fished at the Sea of Galilee, they fished at night. The fish would swim in the shallows at night. They were dumb at night. They would catch them at night. No one would even think about, no great fisherman would even entertain the thought of fishing during the day. During the day, the fish are deep. The nets won't reach that deep. No one would fish in the middle of the day. Oh, really? But notice the craft. Say craft with me. Craft. I'm talking about the boat. So he noticed, he being Jesus, a couple of boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner. Simon Peter owned this thriving fishing business. He said, Simon, push it out into the water. So we sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. I like too that he noticed something that was common, just a boat. He noticed a boat and that boat became his pulpit. What in your life is ordinary that Jesus wants to turn into something extraordinary? What in your life is commonplace, is pedestrian that Jesus wants to turn into a pulpit? What interest do you have? What slant do you have? What hobby do you have? What platform do you have that Jesus wants to turn into a pulpit? It's time that we notice like Jesus did because there are three groups of people here. The first group will be those who are not believers. We have many people at Fellowship who come each and every weekend who've never stepped over the line. You're not a follower of Christ. You're welcome. And this is a great series for you to listen to, a great message for you to listen to, a great weekend for you to attend because you're gonna see, number one, how much you matter to God. Number two, how much you matter to us because you, you were on our minds when we planned this experience. The second group of people will be those here who are believers. You're a brand new believer. And maybe, just maybe, you've stepped over the line, but you've never, ever, ever gone fishing for people who don't know the Lord. You've never, ever shared your fishing story with others. You've never said, hey, here was my life before I met Christ. Here's how I took the bait, Jesus. I was hooked by the Spirit of God and brought into the church. I was caught and released into ministry. You have never really done that. I know some of you are that way. Others here are people, you're believers, 
you're a follower of Christ and you are sharing your fishing story. It's amazing how those of us who fish like to share fishing stories. Yet those of us who've been caught by the grace of God, those of us who've been hooked by the Holy Spirit, those of us who've taken the bait, rarely, rarely do we really go fishing. We talk about fishing, we buy fishing gear, we sing fishing songs, we go to these beautiful aquariums, and this one is as big as SeaWorld. Rarely, though, do we fish. So this is a wake-up call in all of our lives. So notice the craft. What would happen if Jesus walked into your craft, into your boat? What would happen? A boat, consider a boat, is a place of intimacy. I fish a lot. And I love fishing. It's a hobby of mine. God has allowed that passion to become my pulpit because it forces me to hang out with a lot of people who don't know the Lord personally. They don't know fellowship from a cruise ship, and that's great. So often as I fish in tournaments and fish competitively, I find myself in a boat, a little 16-foot boat with someone who does not know the Lord. When you get in a boat with someone, there is intimacy involved. Say intimacy, intimacy. Jesus wants you to be intimate with him because he's intimate with you. Notice also this boat was a place of instruction. What did Jesus do? He taught from it. He preached from it. Maybe Simon Peter tried to give Jesus a quick fishing lesson because after all, he was a carpenter. It was also a place of irritation. Simon Peter was like, what? I'm already tired. I've been mending the nets and now you're asking me to get in the boat, push the boat from shore, and you can use my boat, a place where I haven't caught Jack, to preach, okay, a place of instruction. Whenever you fish and you fish with a guide, there's a rule. Never guide the guide. Yet Jesus here is going to flip the script. He's gonna guide the guide. Simon Peter is an old salt. He's a fishing hawk. And Jesus, this carpenter, hammer and nails and finish out and foundation work, fixer upper, that's what Jesus knew. And now Jesus is gonna talk to Simon about fishing? What? Say that with me, kind of high. What? Yeah, that's what I thought. Because that's what I thought when I was reading this. Luke chapter five, verse four. When he had finished speaking, the sermon was done. I love this. He said to Simon, now, let's say it together, one, two, three. Go out. Say it again, go out. He said, that's the first command. Go out where it is deeper. Go out, Simon, this is Jesus, the carpenter, telling the guide, go out where it is deeper. Do you want to go deep? Go out into the deep. The second command, let down. Jesus said, go out, Simon, and now let down. Say let down with me, let down. That means let down the nets. And don't you know Simon was like, you've got to be kidding me. 
I've cleaned these nets. We've been working all night. All the seaweed and all the other junk is out of the nets. All the beer cans, we've thrown them out. And now you're asking me, Jesus, to lower the nets again in the middle of the day. It's 100 degrees. The nets don't go that deep. We're not going to catch a fish. That's what he was thinking. I know it because Simon Peter was rude and crude and socially unacceptable, foul-mouthed, uneducated. Yet, that's who Jesus picked as his inner circle. Why fishermen? Because they're purposeful. Why fishermen? Because they're patient. Why fishermen? Because they're passionate. When he finished speaking, two commands, go out and let down your nets to catch some fish. That's what Jesus is telling you and me. If you're a Christ follower, go out. You wanna go deep? I mean, you wanna go deep? It's right here, go out. And don't just go out and work on your spiritual tan with Hawaiian Tropic. Drop the nets. Go out, drop the nets. Go out and drop the nets. Go out where the fish are, in the highways and byways. Go out where the fish are, in your neighborhood. Go out where the fish are, on the soccer team. Go out where the fish are, in your school. Go out where the fish are, in the corporation. Go out where the fish are, in the firm. Go out where the fish are, in the hospital. Go deep, but don't just go deep. Drop the nets. So I love the excuse. We worked hard all last night. Lord, look at him in verse five. We didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, read here doubt. Read here like you gotta be joking. Don't you love it that Jesus can use you and me even in our doubts? If you say so, I'll let the nets down again. I'll let the nets down again. If you say so, I'll let the nets down again. He did. So you got the craft, the conversation. Look at the catch. A world record catch. In the middle of the day, the nets wouldn't reach the deep. They dropped the nets and look at this fish story. This is crazy, isn't it? Luke 5 verse 6. And this time their nets were so, say it with me, full of fish. They began to tear. They shouted for help. He shouted for his, for his associates to come in. Another boat helped him. Both boats began to sink because of so many fish. I love it that Jesus is interested in our daily activities. So those of us who are Christ followers, our lives should be a fishing trip. And if we're doing what Jesus wants us to do, we're going out into the deep, dropping our nets, and Jesus says, you fish, I'll catch. What a deal. You fish, I'll do the catching. This was the second call that Jesus made. The second time he tapped these guys on the shoulder. This is not their first calling. He's calling you, he's calling me. It's a command, it's not an option. Go, Jesus said, Matthew 28, go. What part of go don't we get? Go out into the 
deep and let your nets down. Well, Ed, I just want to live as an example, man. If I live the Christian life as an example, people will see me. And, example? What if Jesus had said that? I'm just going to be an example. No words, just an example. Jesus used words. We've got to use words. Obviously, we love our lives as an example. But if you're a believer, you've got a fish story. I was swimming in this body of water. I was lost. I ate the bait, Jesus, on the hook. I was hooked by the Holy Spirit of God. Here's what's happened in my life. When I was caught, now I've been caught, captured by the grace. I've been released by God into the greatest life possible. Share that. Talk to others about that. Pray for people in your life. There is nothing like being used by God. Nothing. There's no high, there's no buzz, there's no trip, there's no deal, there's no amount of money that compares to being used by God to save souls. There's no business like soul business. I've gone to New Zealand, I've gone to Australia, I've gone to Asia, I've gone to Europe, I've gone to Africa, I've gone all over the country. Take me out of it. I have never seen a church like Fellowship. And for the life of me, I cannot believe how so many of you who call yourselves Christians don't regularly invite people, your friends who are going to hell here to fellowship. Because one day, when you clock out, God's gonna look at you and say, man, your life was a fishing trip. Tell me about the fish that you caught. Because if you're not concerned about your neighbor's salvation, quite frankly, I'm concerned about yours. If you don't have a heart for people coming to know Jesus, there's a great chance you're not a believer. These are hard words, tough words. Fishermen are tough. For 25 years, this deal has been tough. We'll get up in your grill and challenge you because the beginning and end of discipleship is evangelism. You don't become a disciple until you get saved, and then once you become a disciple, you go deep and you do what? Put down your nets. Any fishing stories? Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. This word fishing for people. Zagrio in the original language means to take alive. It's kind of paradoxical. When we fish, we take fish from life to death. When we fish for men, we take men from death to life. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. John 6, what did Jesus say? No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. We've got to draw the net. Everything we do at fellowship has a hook in it. What's the bait? Jesus. And so often people don't even know they need Jesus 
until they understand who he is. And then, whoa, I need Jesus. Two of the most embarrassing questions I could ask you, I'm talking to Christians now, are these two questions. A great theologian asked these questions a long time ago. Number one, who was the last person you led to Jesus? Number two, when was the last time you tried? What would happen? What would happen if we became fishers of men? What would happen? What would happen? So it's time for us to go out, go deep, and put the net down. Are you hooked? I said, are you hooked? I'm glad I'm hooked by the grace of God. I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I'm rescued. I'm glad I'm transformed. I'm glad I'm justified. I'm glad I'm sanctified. I'm glad I'm listened to Jesus. I'm glad I've lived for him. I'm glad I'm following his command. I am glad that I am hooked. I'm hooked. Let's pray together. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Everyone's standing. If you've never, ever, ever given your life to Jesus, he is the bait. Just say, Jesus, I give my life to you. That's all you gotta say. Jesus, I give my life to you. I admit to you I'm a sinner. I give everything to you. I bow before you like Simon did. I bow before you. I give it all to you. If you said that prayer, that's the greatest prayer you'll ever pray. You're hooked and you can never get off the hook. listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.